Has the Relationship Alive podcast been helpful for you? If you like what we're doing and want to ensure that the podcast continues, you can help that happen for as little as the price of a monthly cup of coffee or a decent sandwich, or if it works for you, a lovely dinner. You can also make a one-time donation if that's better for you. For more information and to choose the tier that feels right, please visit neilsatin.com slash support. Or you can text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Thank you so much for your help in making this podcast happen and being part of making the world's relationships more conscious and thriving as a whole. Oh, and one last thing. If you haven't downloaded it yet, make sure that you grab my free guide to the top three relationship communication secrets. These three things are easy to do, and they can completely transform the way that you communicate in relationship. So whether you're talking about something really easy to talk about or something really, really challenging, the way that you communicate it will bring you closer together with your partner so you can experience deeper intimacy, deeper connection, even if you're talking about something challenging. So again, that guide is free. And to get it, all you have to do is, vi- is visit neilsatin.com slash relate, or you can text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to download the guide. So if you want to support the podcast, you can text support to 33444. And if you want to get the free guide, you can text relate to 33444. All right, easy enough. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. As always on this show, my goal is to help you have the most amazing relationship possible or relationships. And part of that is to learn the skills of how to relate to your beloved in a way that keeps you growing, keeps you connected, keeps you engaged, keeps you alive with who you are and shining brightly in the world. So that's an important part of it. Another important part is what you bring to your relationship. How do you be fully who you are and how do you direct your growth over time so that you know you see where you are now you see where you want to be and you're and you're making progress in that direction how do you avoid getting stuck and how do you ensure that you're fully able to show up all of you especially when things are challenging with your partner so today's guest is a bit of a follow-up to an earlier episode that I did with Sheila Heen around how to have really difficult conversations. And I'll let, I'll let her explain that. But basically, there's this question that comes up of like, what happens when you know all the right things that you're supposed to do, um, but you don't necessarily actually do those things or you do them except when it really counts and then afterwards maybe you kick yourself or maybe you say you know what that's just who I am that's the way I'm going to be and and you know screw them so the goal of today's conversation is to help you with that very problem it's how do you bring online the capacity to actually do new things especially when 
the, the ways that we habitually do things comes so easily. So how do we bring new patterns of behavior online so that we can experience new results? And like I mentioned just a moment ago, new results are more love, more joy, more resiliency, so that when you have a fight, you bounce back really quickly um, with a laugh instead of you know a day of the silent treatment. That's my goal for you today. And today's guest is Erica Ariel Fox. She's the author of Winning From Within, which is a book that was written primarily for the business community, and yet there is so much of value in it that will help you get at the answer to this question of, how do I figure out where I'm, where I'm falling short, where I'm not really utilizing my full capacity, and how do I use it? How do I bring it back online? As always, we will have a detailed show guide that you can get at neilsatin.com slash within, W-I-T-H-I-N, or you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions, and I'll send you a link to this guide as well as all the other guides of the Relationship Alive podcast. Uh, her book was a New York Times bestseller. She's one of LinkedIn's most influential people with like a bajillion followers. Maybe not quite a bajillion, but there are, there are a lot. And she is here with us today to chat about how you can develop inwardly to bring that to bear on your relationships, your work life, your family, um, all of that. So, Erica Ariel Fox, thank you so much for joining us today on Relationship Alive. Neil, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Great, great. Well, let's just dive in with talking about the, I think you call it the performance gap. It's that like where you, what you do and maybe ideally what you would do. How do, you, how do you get started with even identifying that that's what's going on for you when, when things aren't going quite right? Well, when I wrote the book, I was looking for a fancy professional name and I called it the performance gap. But I will tell you that now I call it the cupcake phenomenon. <laughs> awesome. And the reason I call it the cupcake phenomenon, which some of you may know this experience, is because I experience the performance gap most vividly when I'm in bed at night and I'm reading and I'm thinking of going to sleep, but then I also want a cupcake. And I know perfectly well, like all of us, that that is not the ideal thing for me to do before I go to sleep. But pretty routinely, I do go downstairs and, you know, look in the freezer, look in a cabinet, try to get a snack. And I watch myself do that. And while I'm watching myself do it, I do it anyway. And I think that is part of the performance gap. It's almost an out-of-body experience. And people have it all the time. Like, you might tell yourself you're going to listen really well. And then you notice that you're yelling at someone. I don't know if, Neil, you have ever had that experience. But, um, you know, you want to bring your best self to your family at dinner. And then you realize, you know, you're not present. You're not listening. You're checking your phone. And I think almost all of us have some experience of, you know, I knew what to do. And then I didn't do it. And it's really frustrating. It's really difficult. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any cupcakes in your house? 
<laughs> I thought that was good for you to have a nice snack before bed, you know. Anyway, it could, be, it could be depending on what part of you is looking for the cupcake. It could be it could be a great thing. Right, right. If you're using the cupcake to solve another problem like I don't like how I feel, then that is part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you have the, those moments of maybe even, as you said, out of body, where you recognize like, oh, I'm doing that thing. I'm doing that very thing I said I wasn't going to do. You know, I'm arguing instead of, of giving myself a timeout. I'm, yeah. you know, begrudgingly doing whatever or, you know, checking your phone. Like that's a that's a big one, you know, with how distracted I think we can possibly be in this day and age. So, um, so what's the next step when you see, like, how do you connect with the part of yourself that not only sees what's going on, but actually can start like saying, intervening in some way? Well, honestly, I would even step back one step to say, you do need to notice in the first case that you're doing something that isn't what you intended to do. Or, you know, you have to notice I'm yelling or I'm, you know, defended and guarded or I'm distracted. I think most people, a lot of people I know, and I don't know if this is true for you, only later at night, you know, you lay in bed and you think, oh, you know, I wish I hadn't done that. I shouldn't have said that. Or, you know, I might think, okay, now I know what I wish I would have said. And the very first thing you want to practice is, can you notice at that moment, hey, this is not my best self. This is not how I want to treat my partner. This is not what I intended. And that in and of itself is a skill. Um, I talked about that as a part that I'm calling the lookout, Mm -hmm. which is really on the lookout for when you're sort of falling off your path and your highest intention. And it's really looking in towards yourself at what's happening inside and noticing right now, right here, this is not what I wanted to say. This is not what I want to be doing. And I'm going to pause right here, right now. And then I can choose something else. But you do need to notice first before you can choose to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. And this might be a good time to just mention that what we're diving into is about discovering these different parts within you and the the role that those parts can have in helping you stay on course. So we're gonna we're gonna cover some specific parts because as you know there can be many, many, but we're mm-hmm. gonna cover some specific ones that you can call upon as resources to uh, to help you in through these situations. Um, we had an episode with Dick Schwartz way mm, back. That was um, ep- episode 26, so, where we talked about this idea that we have like, he calls it internal family systems because there's like a family of people who are, who are all um, interacting within us. And, and so... I, I love your approach to engaging like certain members of the family, <laughs> so mm-hmm. to speak, um, who are who are really resourceful in different ways. Um, so, what maybe we let's just start out by outlining, since I've said that, who those who the what who are those people within us, and what are their characteristics? Well, it's interesting. I love Dick Schwartz's stuff, and I think at least my understanding is that his main 
internal characters, let's say it that way, have functions, um, like exiles running away to hide and protectors protecting them and managers, firefighters. And that's very real. I think that is an extremely powerful framework, particularly for people who do feel guarded. If you're someone who feels vulnerable uh, or fearful, you know, it's easy for you to just sort of put a little bit of a wall as a protector, as a protection in front of you. And I think he's saying you can build a relationship with that protector part mm-hmm. and you can you can really ask it, like, is it helpful right now, actually, that you're protecting me and that's keeping me from an intimate connection with someone I want to connect with and sort of dialogue with that protector. So what, and I love his stuff and I've been influenced by it and by voice dialogue and other systems that talk about different parts of who we are. What I've done is sort of look at archetypes that are sort of like a master map of the inner self that have come down through many, many traditions from Plato uh, to Rumi and now neuroscience, you know, verifying what Rumi said, (laughs) which is really helpful. (laughs) Um, And I've talked about four main parts because they're quite universal and also because in testing them over 20 years, I find they're really helpful to people. And that is not what I would call necessarily a protector, firefighter, or exile, but more just sort of the core functional part of us, you know, that lives in the world every day, which I talk about as the thinker, the lover, the warrior, and the dreamer. And any one of those, honestly, could function as a protector. Any one of those could be an exile. Any one of those could be, you know, your your biggest strength and your capacity to be out in the world loving people, performing effectively. So it's a slightly different frame, but it's the same concept in some ways that we have internal parts that have all different and all very important functions. Yeah, and I personally feel like there are moments for every metaphor, so to speak. Right, right. So there are times when um, Dick's work is, I find to be really helpful for myself or for clients. And there are other times where I want to get it, you know, even simpler. So we might do something that's more like Margaret Paul, inner bonding, where it's really just about, you know, like getting in touch with that emotional self within you, um, your your thinker self, and then like appealing to a higher power. So that like, Mm -hmm. like really streamlines it. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I'm curious for... In your experience, I don't think we've talked about this really yet on the show. Um, when you're working with parts within you, it, practically speaking, what are, what are some ways to do that? You know, to, because I think it can be challenging for someone to be like, well, okay, am I supposed to like sit there and talk to myself and talk out loud, or do I try to do it on paper? Or like, what's what do you find really works for people so that? they're actually accessing those parts and and hearing from them clearly. I think that, yeah, no, it's a great question. First of all, the truth is you're talking to yourself all day long anyway. I mean, we have inner speech, you know, it's just as a phenomenon. (laughs) It's not like, should I try to talk to myself? You are talking to yourself. Um, And again, as I said earlier, you might not notice that, but it is a fact. And, um, you know, even if you go into an fMRI machine, we can see different parts of the brain light up during different kinds of internal conversation. So there is a self speaking and a self listening. So I think that part of it is just to slow down and start to notice or listen in for what is your internal thought life? 
You know, do, do you do you experience that you're criticizing yourself all the time, that you're putting other people down, that you're thinking and feeling about gratitude and things you appreciate in your life? You know, what what's what's on your mind, basically, you know, over the course of a day? You know, sometimes I say to people just, you know, every hour on the hour for a moment, just pause and write down, I'm thinking, you know, about X, I'm feeling what I'm doing and what I want, what I'm really wanting or not wanting and just do a little internal life pulse check, you know, or like when you're walking out the door in the morning, you would say, you know, phone, check, wallet, check, keys, yes, um, check in with your inner life before you walk out the door. Same thing, thinking, feeling, doing, yearning, wanting. And you start to practice hearing and listening the inner dialogues, the inner speech that's happening anyway. Mm. That's where I would start. And then, you know, I can tell you if you're interested in more practices, and I'm interested, Neil, in what you do, obviously, about how you encounter, or, you know, how do you notice which parts of you are speaking, you know, the loudest at any given moment to you? Yeah. Um, well, for me, it is, uh, I guess I would call it mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And it's also involves a lot of pauses, whereas I think I used to be a bit more reactive and in the fray and someone would say something and I would have something to say right away. Right, just quickly react. Yeah. So now I think I tend to with through intention like insert breath into Mm. the into what I'm doing as a way of getting in touch with that and uh and also uh you know we were talking about this a little bit before we we hopped on for the interview but the um being aware that you are even looking for that sort of thing so so for me it's like okay I'm quieting myself but I'm not just gonna like sit there and listen to myself breathe although there's a time for that too again a moment for every metaphor but um Hmm. the the next thing that happens is is that question of like what's going on like it probably for me it starts with more with checking in with what's happening with me in my physiology first um and and what I like about what you were just offering, that whole what am I thinking, what am I feeling, what am I wanting, what am I doing, I see how you're, you're allowing us to hear from each of those parts exactly. separately. Um, and uh, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, another thing you can do is look for mirrors around you. So... It- you know, every person is multifaceted, but you might have someone in your life, in your house or at your office or someone in your community, and you would say, all things being equal, that person is a very intellectually, you know, cognitively centered, rational person, you know, they tend towards logic and reason and all that. And there's another person in my life, you know, all things being equal, they're emotional, they connect, you know, they're a people person, they have a lot of relationships, yeah, maybe that's the cousin in your family who keeps everyone staying together and does like the annual family, you know, <laughs> reunion. Right. There might be someone else, you know, who's very task oriented, who keeps the trains on track, who maybe doesn't hugely emotionally connect or look for insight, but you know, they do get things done. Um, and someone you see as visionary, someone who inspires people and looks to the future. And as I said, everyone has 
all of those in them, but you can find people in your life that tend more towards one of another. And then watch yourself while you're watching them and ask yourself, you know, am I like that? Is that how I would have answered that question? You know, if I had been in that situation, would I do what she's doing? Would I hate what she's doing? And, you know, I would think to myself, I would never do that. You know, you can start Mm -hmm. to watch um, mindsets, patterns, behaviors of people that seem to represent these different parts. And, you know, you might say to yourself, wow, when, when I watch that person who is so amazing with people and who connects with everyone and everyone in our office just trusts that person, and I would never say and do the things that he does. I just wouldn't. You know, it's just not me. That's a good sign to yourself. Like, hey, then that part of you is probably not online. You know, it's in there. But if you see someone doing something that's successful or effective and you're thinking, I would never do that, you should start paying attention to that person. <laughs> you should start <laughs> investigating. You know, what are they doing? Why, why are they, why do they build trust and rapport so easily? And I don't. And that, again, is just a good way to start noticing how you're showing up in the world and gives you clues to how you might want to stretch and grow and tap into more of yourself. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And, you know, if you're listening to the show, you're probably like, I'm totally there. And yet I've heard from enough listeners whose partner may not be totally there. Um, (laughs) It's always the partner. Right, exactly. It's their problem. I am perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, and with totally there, because that can mean so many different things, I don't want to be vague. What I'm thinking about right now is the willingness to, to grow and change versus the mindset of this is how I am. This is just who I be in the world. And, you know, you might see someone... Um, operating and say, I would never do that. And that's because that person's an asshole. Or, you know, it might be, I would never I do, I would never do that. Right. But I, but I am who I am. So let's say you're listening and that might be like, yeah, that's me. Uh, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be that way. And Erica, if I'm thinking, well, that's who I am, I'm never going to be that person who blah, blah. What's a way of finding some balance or, or navigating through that? This is a great question, and I feel very strongly about this, Neil, so I'm happy that you asked. You know, because a lot of people, let's say in the last couple of years, have been really focusing on strengths and positive psychology, and, you know, what's important is to focus on strengths, and these other parts are just not me. And and maybe I believe it's not helpful to even think about them. And I see it very differently. I think we have active strengths and inactive strengths, and, you know, we know from neuroplasticity Uh, which if you don't know about that, it's really interesting, but it essentially means in the past, a lot of people believe that only children's brains are growing over time, you know, up until let's say 18 or something, your child's brain obviously is developing, and then we stop. And what research has shown in the last at least 10 years, 15 years, is that's just not true. We are growing, even our brains, physically, literally, in terms of our neural pathways, our brains are in constant states of development. And it's just a limiting belief to say, this is how I am, you know, this is who I am, this is how I've been for 20 years, so it's not going to change. It's just not true. I've seen thousands of very senior people, you know, in their 60s, people in their 70s, if you start to question 
the story that you're telling about yourself and you're willing to be curious and, you know, look at other options you might have, you will change. You will grow. It is the essence of being alive is to grow. And <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, you know, you look at a plant, you know, uh, you don't have to stand over it and say, grow, grow. I mean, you know, if you water it and give it sun, it will grow. And that's what life wants to do. Yeah. So, yeah, cutting we- yourself off from that is really it's really sad and it's totally unnecessary. So, and we, we did, we had uh, Dan Siegel on the show back in oh, episode great. 57. And yeah. I, I love in Mindsight, he describes, I think he was working with like a 95 year old guy and <laughs> was talking about how this guy, like he was not going to change. And yet actually sh- simply through mindfulness practices, the guy noticed all these ways that he was evolving and his emotional life took off and anyway. Well, and Daniel Siegel has done a lot of work in this area and Neil, you said, I totally agree with you, you know, different metaphors or different frames, you know, have different purposes and I think his notion of mindsight is a lot like my notion of the lookout, you know, the, the, the observing mind, the part of you that can step back and see what you're doing, what you're saying, what your inner life is. I think mindsight is his way of saying the same thing. And it's, it doesn't matter what you call it, it's important that you learn how to do it. The other thing that occurred to me around this notion of that's just who I am, um, I think that part of it could definitely come, I, I mean, I can hear that phrase uttered in so many different ways. There's like, that's just who I am, kind of like obstinate, like I'm not gonna change for you or for anyone, like that sort of thing. I could also hear kind of a painful, like, well, that's just who I am. I've always been that way. I don't, I don't know how I would ever possibly shift that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something else also, which I think you'll find interesting, is sometimes people who say, like, I would never do that are looking at the behavior. So, for example, you might say, there's someone in my office who lies, and I don't do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to discover a part of me that is a liar. And, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to tell me that I should start lying. And what I say is, but what's the energy or the intention underneath that behavior of that person lying? Like, if you move past the behavior in any given example, like I was working with someone specifically where this came up, and I said, yeah, but if you look beneath the behavior of the person in your department who is lying, you know, who's misrepresenting uh, the situation on the team, they're also trying to take a stand for the people who are on your team, right? They're trying to protect people Mm. by not necessarily saying exactly what happened, um, but there's a part of them that's willing to take a stand as a protector. So, of course, I don't think you should lie, but do you have access to the part of you that would take a stand, that would protect your team, that would protect people you care about? That's the point, (laughs) Mm. not the lying. Yeah. Uh, And so sometimes, you know, you can write off a behavior and say, you know, that person started crying in a meeting and I would never start crying. Like, okay, great, don't start crying. But that person has access to their emotion and that person has a comfort level with letting people see how he or she feels. So, okay, don't start crying, but do you have the ability to even cry when you feel sad? Do you have the willingness in some small way to let people know that you feel sad? So, 
you know, the, that, and that's where I think the real development comes from, not by trying behaviors that you didn't do. And Neil, I'm sure you've talked about this. It's, it's what is underneath, whether it's a capacity you haven't used or a, a worldview that's telling you not, you know, to access this or that inside of yourself. That's the part that gets really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and... Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, it, intuitive. It makes total sense, and I see how it's helpful to have a framework for thinking about that. So, you know, using the the thinker, the dreamer, the lover, the warrior, um, I think it might be helpful to to give it like a quick rundown so that like I'm, if I'm listening so I can relate to like, mm-hmm. okay, what's like an overexpressed version of this? What's an underexpressed right. version of this? And what does it look like when they're work functioning sort of in harmony? Yeah. It's a great question. Um, Cause it's important to not just have access to the four parts. You do want to access them in some kind of centered way because exactly what Neil is saying um, is right. If you try to tap into one, or another you haven't used for a while, you know, you still might need to work to get it in a centered way. So um, a centered thinker, for example, might collect information and might um, synthesize and do some problem solving, you know, just to come up with a logical answer. Um, But an elevated thinker might decide she knows the answer and she doesn't care about anyone else's perspective. Like she's so convinced she's right that she'll tell everybody else they're wrong and just be very closed to hearing different people's perspectives. A centered thinker is open to perspectives and open to changing their thinking, you know, but an uh, inflated thinker is not. Uh, I'm sure you know somebody who just says, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. That's That was our dialogue that we just had. Um, at, at, whereas a deflated thinker, you know, might be someone who just doesn't think that their ideas matter at all or doesn't think that they, um, you know, have an idea worth contributing. Or they're constantly questioning their idea. You know, if, am I right? Am I wrong? They're filled with doubt, and I'm not sure. You know, if I think this, is it right? And they get caught in not being able to stand for their ideas and for their the answers they have to questions. So I don't know if you want me to say as maybe I'm saying too much about one example, but um, you know, the warrior. Similarly, you can be assertive, centered. You can be aggressive if you're inflated and you can also just, um, you know, shrink and just avoid conflict and never take a stand, be silent. And although those are all within the continuum of warrior, you really want to find your centered warrior that can tell a hard truth, that can take a stand without aggressing, without yelling, without bullying anybody, but also, you know, not to quiet yourself so much that, you never take a stand. You never go to a protest. You never, you know, write a blog that disagrees with someone and has an action suggestion that's different than what they're saying. <laughs> so with all of these, you know, there's a middle ground and too much and too little, you know, again, with the, you can tell me if you want me to explain the other two, they might speak for themselves. Yeah, no, I mean, this is really helpful, I think, and won't take too okay. long. Okay, so the lover, which is, you know, your emotional intelligence taps into the part of you that's very natural, you know, as a human being and social animal to want relationships and to want to live in a web of connection. You know, if you have an inflated lover, you can see everything through the lens of relationship. You can feel flooded by your emotions. You can feel, um, you've talked about this in the past, you know, uh, 
everything gets very inflated. So instead of being anxious, you're in a panic, you know, instead of being sad, you're in despair. I mean, that your, your emotions escalate and really take over. Um, and then, of course, at the other extreme, which I see all the time, um, and listening to this, you might feel this way, you know, people who are very wary of their emotions, they don't trust them, uh, they devalue them as, you know, quote, irrational, uh, whereas I'd say, well, they're not rational, they're emotions. Uh, <laughs> the lover's job is not to be <laughs> rational. The thinker has that job. Um, but many of you, you know, may know people or yourself who just shut down their emotions to the point where you don't just not express them, you, you know, experience, you don't even feel them. You could be really numb um, and have those feelings, you know, bottled away a very long time ago. I tell you, Neil, I don't know if you saw this. Last week, um, Prince Harry was talking about um, they're doing a whole initiative in the UK around mental health. And he was saying, you know, when my mother, Princess Diana, died, he was 12 years old. Uh, I just shut my emotions down. And that was that. And I mm. shut them away for 20 years. And he said, you know, my thinking was, if I let myself feel, then I'm just going to feel sad. So what's the point of that? And he really feels that he stunted his, you know, his development as a person, his ability to have relationships, you know, connecting intimately. And he says he finally went to a therapist and finally let himself explore his feelings. And it was like a huge opening, like his world went from black and white to color, you know. So I understand why people shut their feelings down. And some of those feelings are scary and uncomfortable, but a super deflated lover really prevents you from having trusting relationships, you know, even even with your partner, even if you're married, you can have a very low intimacy, low connected relationship if you lock your feelings away. And the dreamer, the fourth one, which is about the future, it's about possibility, it's letting yourself really use your imagination. Um, you know, the inflated dreamer, it can get in trouble because its vision gets like super far ahead of uh, what what can happen. So a dream is great and the vision is great, but let's say you want to do a project and you're super excited about it and you go for it. You haven't checked with your thinker. If you have the budget for it, you haven't checked with your own internal lover. If this new project is going to be pushing, you know, people in your office too hard because they have to work double time to do it. You haven't checked in with your own internal warrior about how long it will take to get done and all those things. Your dreamer if you get out front ahead of all your other inner teammates, um, you can really take people marching along in a direction that they can't fulfill. Mm. Um, and that's really, you know, um, disappointing to people to have a vision that you can't go forward with. And a deflated dreamer feels lost. No sense of direction, no sense of purpose. You know, you might have felt this way. I know a lot of people who, you know, especially in 40s and 50s who feel like, I've accomplished a lot of what I had been dreaming about, whether that's a family or whether that's financial stability or some professional success. And now I don't know where to go. Like, I don't know what to do now. It's a, I'm a little bit directionless. And the way to help with that is to really get your dreamer online. Your dreamer is the part of you that is excited about the future. And for example, asking your thinker, you know, what should I do next? Not helpful. Your thinker doesn't <laughs> A thinker doesn't think about your future, but if you tap into your dreamer, um, you know, the part of you that is really excited about possibility and, you know, can be sort of limitless in his or her dreaming, that's the part of you that can point you towards what comes next. So, 
each of the four of them in a centered way is helpful. And yet, uh, you know, as I've said, they can get in your way for sure. Too much or too little. Yeah. And do you find that in more problematic situations that it tends to be that people are are more like trapped in like one or or a couple of those like that there are definitely some who are offline and had they been brought in that's that would have made all the difference you know i there's not any kind of rule or formula like oh typically people have this and they don't have that um what i find is true um and you may feel this yourself is most people, and research says this too, most people have one or two aspects of these four they're pretty comfortable with, they're good at, it's easy for them. And they tend to have at least one um, that's really amplified. Maybe it, it is a strength, but now it's on overdrive. Um, and one that's really, you know, pretty quiet, pretty silent in the back seat. And those are the two that you really want to go looking for. That's how you can expand. As you, you, know, you asked a couple times, you know, how do you develop? How do you grow? Go for those parts that are not integrated in your daily life and start listening to them, start tapping into them, asking them if they have something to say, you know, <laughs> ask them if they have a piece of advice for you and they probably do. Yeah. And this I think brings us to an important part of winning from within, which is the captain. Yeah. And because, all right, like, great, I've got, like, I've got my dreamer, my thinker, my lover, my warrior, they're all here and they're talking and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> I don't know how to actually um, take the next step. Like, how do you, how do you marshal all those to, like, to actually be decisive and discerning? Yeah, it's a great question. So here again, I think, you know, different writers and thinkers have tried to identify this part of the self in different ways. Um, internal family systems talks about the self and voice dialogue talks about the aware ego. And I've called this part the captain with the metaphor that these big four are like passengers on your ship, um, but you don't want them driving. You want the captain at the <laughs> it's yeah. not a steering wheel. What is it that a captain? The helm. The helm. Great. <laughs> the helm. Um, yes, at the helm. Um, and the captain is like... Uh, is like a broader high level function in yourself that can listen to these different four and then try to make the best choice. L going back to the beginning, I even do sometimes when I want the cupcake, I ask myself, I literally say to myself, okay, captain, should I go get this cupcake? And I pause for a minute. And sometimes I really hear a voice back saying, you know what, if you really feel like that's comforting and you really feel like that's going to help you relax it's okay. Like you can get the cupcake. And sometimes I would hear myself saying like, this is so unhelpful. It's not going to make a difference. You're just going to feel terrible. <laughs> if you go for that cupcake, you know, just, just sit quietly in bed and, you know, feel how you feel. It doesn't exactly matter which way the captain advises. The key is to look for some part of yourself that has that overall big picture. And most of us don't have that. We identify like, I'm a thinker. That's who I am. Or like, oh, I'm a people person. And you you really don't want to imagine your whole identity is one of the four. You have all of those four. Mm. Um, and the captain is, is the one at the helm who's driving the ship. And you can tap into that wisdom. And it has a lot of clarity, insight, and um, and good direction. Does that make sense, Neil? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I'm wondering... Do you have a captain story like my cupcake? 
I'm sure, well, there, are, I'm you sure there are higher stakes situations to tap into one's captain. Yeah, well, you know, the uh, first let's talk about cupcakes because I really think <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> there there actually there's this um I, I won't I won't name them until they sponsor the podcast, but there's this paleo um company out there that's making these like grain-free like no like refined sugar. Cupcakes. What? Like protein cupcakes? They're amazing cupcakes. And <laughs> and and I'm convinced that they are nutritious, even though they're chocolate cupcakes. Wow. That they're perfectly good and you should eat lots of them. Wow. Um, there's no grain in them. It's really good. So, you know, if, if any, if you know who I'm talking about, you call them and say, there's a great podcast you should sponsor because he's really no, into your stuff. No, here's the point. No, here's the thing. The thing is, it's the impulse to get the cupcake. It could be the most healthy cupcake in the world the point is <laughs> what part of me what part of us you know is saying at 11 o'clock at night oh i think the thing i need to do right now is eat something mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and you could eat you know a melon um it tends to be you know some kind of an escape some kind of i'm uncomfortable so i think yeah. you know i'll eat something or fill in the blank i will go on the internet i will be promiscuous i will Wow, Erica, you got a lot going on. Well, okay, I'm saying I'm using I as a, as a general, the, as a royal I. Really, what I mean to say is, of the people that I work with, one of the things that I really find fascinating, and I ask people this: What is your strategy for escaping how you feel? Mm. You know, and and there's everything from I go numb to you know rage to everything I was just saying. You know, alcohol. People know. You know, you might want to ask yourself. Do you have a numbing strategy or an escape strategy to get away from how you feel? And so even if you're escaping to a healthy cupcake, I think that that is the wrong focus. And as you've talked about, Neil, in some of your other you know episodes, which I love about, can I sit in bed and ask myself, am I okay? And you know, if I feel like I'm not okay, is that cupcake? If I eat that cupcake, will that help me feel like I'm okay? Probably not. So you'd be a lot better off exploring, (laughs) you know, where's this feeling coming from? Where's this thought coming from that I'm not okay? What, you know, I'm sitting here feeling afraid. What am I afraid of? And engaging with your inner life. That's really what I want to say to you. Engaging with your inner life and what's happening rather than trying to fix it somehow you know, I'm using the example of eating, you might fix it by yelling at your family, you know, or staying online or working 24 hours a day. Trying to run away from your inner life is very dangerous. And it's very unlikely to cause you to make good choices in relationships, in your work life, in your community. And you really want to have a genuine, open dialogue and relationship with yourself with all the different parts of yourself and you could go through your whole life and not know that and not know how to do that and it's really really important to a fulfilled life to a rewarding life you know and success but that's the least of the point of it yeah yeah and hit touching on one of the things we spoke about really early on i think it's helpful for you ahead of time to decide, like, how does that process work best for me? Is it mm-hmm. through, like, 
just bringing awareness to it and having inner dialogue or is it helpful for me to talk into the voice memo of my phone is it helpful for me to to just go for a jog and speak out loud write it down um, finding some way to actually actively engage in that process and deciding ahead of time so that when you're in the moment like for me um, an example um, there are many but an example would be mm. that impulse to when I wake up to turn my phone off of airplane mode mm. and see and and if I were going to even take that a step further it'd be like do I have any texts and do I like what's come in for email right. and it's like if I step back and look at it, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do anything about any of those things when I first right. wake up in the morning. But it's a great way of distracting myself, and um, and I get, you know, I know that each little thing that I get is a little hit of dopamine that helps right. me feel exactly. gr- great. And the morning, you know, it's like a time of mystery. You know, you wake up and you've got <laughs> the whole day's possibility, no, day. or you know, the weight of the whole day. You know, it's it could go either way sometimes. Um, so yeah, those are that's one of my moments where I really need to bring my um, the full force of my captain online to exactly to and I've I've tested this out and I know that I'm actually much happier and much more well balanced if I don't check any of that until like eleven or noon like as late as possible. Um, so well, and that's why you know for me again in the language of the captain the captain is a way of self-regulating you know and being conscious in your choices and you could easily wake up and pick the phone up and say yo captain you know is this right for me should i turn this on and your captain will say no you shouldn't and so and you know your other question i think there's a lot of practices that people have to make these different inner parts concrete so one thing you can do is find some little symbol, um, which could be anything that represents for you, you know, each one of the four. Um, so for an example, sometimes to represent the lover, people will find a picture of someone they love. It could be a picture of someone who's not alive anymore. But like when I look at that picture, it just brings me into my heart, you know, and then you have all, you know, you could have a calculator, you could have a stethoscope, you could have, you know, whatever, like this, you know, taps me into my thinker and, you know, makes me want to think more analytically. And so people, you know, these can be very small things, you could have them in your desk, you could have them at home. And when you look at a symbol, it's actually easier to tap into something and you can, while you're looking at your symbol, then say to yourself, so thinker, do you have anything you want to tell me? And writing it down, actually is a lot better than just listening. But if you have a big decision to make, or if you feel you're in a dilemma, in a conflict, like, I don't know what to do. It's a great thing to do. You can do this in five minutes. If you have a little representative, you know, of each of these four, and sit down with a piece of paper and tell yourself, and again, I know this sounds funny, but believe me, we're talking to ourselves all the time anyway. (laughs) We're just doing it now consciously, but those inner (laughs) dialogues are happening anyway and ask each one of your big four like as an advisory council you know to my thinker to my feeler my warrior my dreamer what is your perspective on this dilemma or decision and then what's your best advice to the captain Mm. what's your best advice and you write it down and then you really shift yourself into this captain perspective and say okay as the captain i'm looking at all these perspectives and they will be different because the big four value different things, you know, they care about different things. Look at the pieces of advice given to you 
as the captain from your advisory council. And with all of that in front of you, ask your captain, you know, what is the right or best thing for me to do here? And it's dramatic how much insight you can get when you just take the moment, you know, to walk through those steps. Otherwise, you're very likely to decide based on the same pattern, the same default of how you always decide, you know, you always think it through, or, you know, you always take the most practical step, you know, without the vision or tapping into each one of your four quickly and writing it down and looking at it is a great way to, to learn from all these parts and take their voices into account. Yeah. Wow. I love that. It's like, what, all right, so what do you have to say and what's your best advice? Exactly. And, you know, I'm already imagining that that in and of itself makes the captain's job a lot easier. (laughs) I think a a lot of people um, probably have that experience where you can't make a decision. And that's probably because it's like your thinker and your dreamer or, you know, a couple of your parts are just arguing with each other. And, And I'm wondering, though, if you've in your practice and workshops, have you how do you approach the people who are like, okay, I'm, I'm the captain. I got all, I got everyone's input. (laughs) How do I make that decision? Like, you know, how do I, how do I process that information? Is there, do you have a hint along the, along those lines or does it just kind of happen? It's a thinker question, Neil, I got to say. And Ah. when people ask that, and that's what I say, you know, you, (laughs) you have to trust the process and there is, you know, there is an inner wisdom, there is an inner knowing, and we don't take it seriously. Um, but what I've seen in working with people, and we do physically move around, you know, which is a part of the voice dialogue tradition, which is, if you're in a whole process, you know, you would stand into your lover and move somewhere else in the room for each of the four, and then you move somewhere else. And you look at, you know, these representations, there is... Uh, you know, call it a still small voice. There's a, a part of you that can see that and consolidate it at least into a direction, you know, for how to move forward. And there's no way to really explain that until you try it. Yeah. And, and that comes back right around to where we were at the very beginning with that question of like, how do you just do it? Because, um, you know, one of the things that really resonated for me with your work was because I, when I was trained as a coach, I was trained mm. in the, um, you know, sovereign magician yep, lover. Yep, yeah. Yep, so more Gillette. It's good stuff. Yeah. So I was trained in that. And so I recognized that quickly in, in yes. your work. And, and it is so powerful if you do it. If you <laughs> right, do it. Right. Right. <laughs> like everything yeah yes so uh, it's and you know we were talking a little bit about that offline too it's like what do you think about how people can maybe like like well let me let me interrupt you say you know because i know we don't have a ton of time this one of the things i feel strongly about neil is that there are people who are committed to mindfulness or are committed, you know, whether yes. they sit formally or they're committed to non-judgmental awareness of their thoughts and emotions. And a commitment to mindfulness in this setting, in my framework, would be, you know, activating and developing your lookout. In my experience, though, if you want to do something differently and, you know, break out of your, you know, default mode and do something else, going beyond the noticing and observing mind and going into the choosing, you know, conscious 
choosing mind, which is the pivot from the observing lookout into the captain, mm-hmm. that really makes a huge difference. So, and what I'm saying is, you know, a lot of people do have some commitment already that they are doing, which they would think of as a commitment to their inner self or their inner life. And I'm saying, attached to that, you know, the pivot from being aware of the voices to then asking uh, a higher, wiser, deeper part of yourself, you know, what do you make of this? And, you know, I really believe you can do it in a couple minutes. It's a life path and you can do it, you know, in much, in a deeper exploration using art or dance or music and all this. But if you just want to tap into it, you can also do something like this little practice. I, but Neil, I want to say one thing. The dreamer is often connected with joy mm-hmm. and play. It's it's the source of imagination. So when you're looking for a symbol, don't be surprised if you're drawn to like a kid's toy or like a little Kermit the Frog, or like something <laughs> that's silly, because that's the doorway to the dreamer. It's play, it's imagination. So since I mentioned the calculator and the photo, I you know I want to let people know you can find something playful and silly and that'll connect you pretty quickly to the dreamer. Yeah. Yeah, and that will really appeal to probably a half a dozen inner children that you have who are, are wondering where the hell you went. Exactly. exactly. Get all those exiles coming out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Little Paddington bear, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever taps into your sense of just being playful, being childlike. Yeah, and... I, so thank you for adding that. And and I also really appreciate your highlighting that bringing the captain online, your, the, the part of you, like finding that part of you and nurturing that part of you that's, that sees it all and makes decisions and has the capacity to, to act from a place of higher wisdom. Um, and yeah, I was, exactly. I was also struck, you know, when you said you can do it in a couple minutes, I'm like, yeah, imagine that, like you could procrastinate or worry or whatever for days on end or you could just take (laughs) you know five minutes and and go through the process and see where you get on the other side well yes it's true however i do want to say you want to do something that's not purely intellectual you want to not stay in your thinker state of mind and from your thinker say what does my lover think what does my warrior think Mm. um you want to do something that actually helps you shift, you know, your state of mind. Um, And so that's why I'm saying, you know, looking at these little objects or moving around the room, um, you can take a body posture. You know, maybe my warrior stands up with her arms crossed and, you know, my lover sits on the floor with her hand on her heart. It won't work. It won't work in the five minutes. If you just think about each one, there's, there is something about tapping into the mood, values, perspective, you know, the energy of the different archetypes. That's how you get to the wisdom of each one of them. Hmm. One last question, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. Um, is it about cupcakes? <laughs> it's about crab cakes. No, actually. Um, <laughs> the uh, it, This may not be the last question, but it's like it's, it feels at least penultimate in my mind. Um, This is going back to, we talked very briefly about like, okay, your, your partner, like you may be showing up for this and your partner might not. And, and this book you write about was born out of being at the Harvard negotiation project and, and 
in some ways written as a follow-up to difficult conversations. And, and I think it's very real for many of us that um, we feel like there's a lot that we're taking on. And, mm. and I'm just curious to know what you've seen um, maybe as a, as a beacon of hope <laughs> around what kind of shifts are possible, even if the other person on the, you know, quote unquote, other side isn't talking to their warrior, dreamer, lover, etc. Um, what's possible to shift in a situation? It's actually kind of, it is hopeful. Um, because a lot of times, if your relationship is in a rut, it's partially, you're just in a set of patterns and dynamics. You know, you talked about bonding patterns earlier. You're just, uh, you're just reenacting the same conversation every night at dinner, right? It's almost a communication ritual. There's no, no substance behind it. And you don't know how to get out of it. What I've seen many times is that the partner, and in some cases the spouse, has incredible relief to see their partner, let's say, come back from a workshop or, you know, a seminar. And for the first time in years, they would say, the person is finally taking accountability and responsibility for him or herself, which is a warrior stance to take accountability, um, rather than blaming me for everything. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the person is so negative and so risk averse and constantly, you know, telling about, you know, what could go wrong. And suddenly they come home with their dreamer and they're saying, what's possible? You know, if, if this was worked out great, you know, what would be the best case scenario? And a lot of times the partner has been missing this part of you for a long time. It's mm-hmm. not just that you're missing it, you know, <laughs> the person who lives with you, they're missing this part of you. And, you know, there is a relief to see a wholeness in your partner to see more parts, more ways of being, ways of relating coming out that you maybe haven't seen for a very long time. So it really is hopeful. And I've heard that, that, you know, that outcome many, many, many times over the years, people write me thank you notes, you know, thank you for having my husband at your thing, (laughs) you know, and sending him home with his heart open. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay, I know I know how we have to close. First of all, um, Erica, it's been so great to chat with you, and your book, Winning from Within, is so practical and a great read, and I definitely recommend it for people who, who want to get more into this um, way of taking on their own growth and development. Um, I also want to remind you that we'll have a detailed show guide with notes from today's episode that's going to be available at neilsatin.com slash within, as in winning from within, so within. <laughs> and uh, Or you can always text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions, and I will email a link to you for the guide and for guides for all the other uh, Relationship Alive episodes. Erica, I'm wondering, um, first, how can people find out more about your work and what you're doing in the world? Well, thank you. Can I say one thing, Neil, before I answer that? Of course. Because I'll feel incomplete if I don't, which is the last part of the Winning From Within framework, which is just a way of looking at the self, is the voyager. Yes. Um, And the voyager has a mindset. It's a little like Carol Dweck with a fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And, And the voyager is the part of you that you activate to answer one of the questions that you've asked a couple times. You know, what if I just think, this is me? Um, 
and maybe you feel like that, yet you have a part in you, which I've called the Voyager, which is just on a path of exploration and development throughout your life. And I won't go too much into it, but I did want to name it. Um, so, you know, so to give a complete sense of the seven parts of the self. Yeah, I'm so glad you you brought that up. And part I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, this whole conversation is like we're we're like in the Voyager. But I'm glad yeah, that yeah, you yeah, yeah, it. exactly, exactly. Probably people are connected to their Voyagers, the part of them that is tuning into your podcasts, like uh, yes. the part that says, "I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to deepen and expand myself." That impulse, um, you know, that has you listening to Neil's podcast, that is the Voyager impulse to grow, to learn. Yeah, and how would would you contrast that with the dreamer? The dreamer is really looking forward at future possibilities. The voyager is looking backwards at patterns and seeing how your way of operating has changed over time. So, for example, you know, I got married around 40 years old. My voyager might have said, you know, if I look back over 20 years, like all the guys that Erica is dating, you know, they're all kind of the same. I mean, not exactly, but there's a pattern and I see her in this pattern. And as the voyager, I want to live in a different way, you know, relative to early. I want to grow as a person and show up differently in this phase of my life. And the person I ended up marrying is quite different Mm -hmm. than those other men. Um, uh, And so as a voyager, I can say, oh, I grew over time and started to be interested in and attracted to men, you know, who were kinder or, um, you know, more empathic for, let's say, than the men I was interested in before. So, the Voyager is watching the stages and chapters of your life and wanting to encourage you to live differently, you know, to, um, to grow over time, which is different from the dreamer that's saying, you know, what's the vision of our family or what's possible, you know, for our department? It's not looking at your patterns over time and trying to signpost areas for your growth based on, you know, you've shown up so far in your life. Does that make sense? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So now we're complete and you can tell everyone how they can find out more about you. And then, and then what I'd love for you to do, because it's just such a riot, is share a little bit about the story of how you almost totaled your car in Netherlands. Uh, well, I can only tell it if my husband doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, so, <laughs> thank you for bringing me back to that moment of, you know, life success. Neil, I appreciate that very much. Um, so, people can visit com, and there is a double A, so it's E-R-I-C-A-A-R-I-E-L-F-O-X, com. And one thing, people, you might want to do, I have on there for free, um, a big four survey. So you answer a bunch of questions and it will quickly give you a sense of your high and your low of the big four. And again, this is free. Um, and it just gives you a quick picture of how you might be approaching life at the moment. It gives you a little sense of, you know, experiments. There are areas where you might want to experiment uh, in the Voyager spirit. Mm. Um, and you know, I'm not doing my own podcast, um, but I've been on a bunch of co- podcasts, none as amazing as Neil's, but, um, you. you know, on <laughs> the website, you know, um, there are a bunch of interviews and episodes of, of various kinds. There's blogs, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, as you mentioned, Neil, um, on Facebook, you know, all that sort of standard stuff. And I'd love to hear from people. So, please feel free, you know, you can sign up as a 
in the contact area of the website to be on our mailing list and keep up, you know, getting updates on what I'm doing and coming events and stuff like that. Great, great. And you, Erica, you have a gift for making in the these insights really practical. And I, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Except when I almost totaled my car. <laughs> <laughs> that I really don't think is a practical uh recommendation that I have. Um, but you know what I what I do like about that story, Neil, is that um, there's a quality of leap of faith in it. You know, I mean, that example was a failure when I was early in the Netherlands where I moved because I got married to someone Dutch and I was trying to navigate driving, which sounds like it would be pretty straightforward, um, but all of the street signs are different. Some of them are in Dutch, and then some of them just have symbols that we don't have. And I happen to have seen a street sign that communicated to me that I should drive forward when, in fact, um, it was a bus lane that had these serrated, uh, you know, metal, like when you return a rental car and they say, don't go in reverse. They have those kind <laughs> of things. So, so discourage car drivers um, to go there because the bus is so wide, its tires, you know, clear both sides. So unfortunately for me, I did drive over those and it wasn't my highest moment. I admit that. But it was a period in my life where I was really trying a lot of new things and, you know, trying to be, quote, outside of my comfort zone. And it was uncomfortable. And I did learn a lot. And I did, you know, I have expanded my perspective um, from just being an American to seeing things, you know, more globally and Yes, it's uncomfortable, you know, to try things that you're not used to and you will fail. And, you know, I was embarrassed and I appreciate you, Neil, for bringing this up again. Oh, my um, goodness. You know, and I don't know why the car wasn't totaled. It, it wasn't happy, but it wasn't totaled. Um, but I think there's important something there about, you know, if there's no risk, if there's no discomfort, then your Voyager is not actually moving you forward. And you know, it, th that whole period of time, I was making a lot of mistakes. But, you know, years later down the road, I speak Dutch, I understand street signs, <laughs> I feel comfortable, <laughs> you know, in a place that I was very uncomfortable only a couple years ago. So there is hope, you've, you've brought up that word, there is hope in trying and learning, even though, you know, there might be a period of failing in the middle, while, while you're on the path to growth. One, well, one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up was that I also think it's an amazing illustration of how you can totally think one way and and be like, and someone else could see something in a totally different way. <laughs> totally. And um, and it, you know, it's I I just like died laughing when I read this part because <laughs> just for you listening, she you know she goes down this road. It's you know, and there's you know she almost totals the car, and there's like um, you know all these things all over the road. And her husband says, you know, you went you drove down this road that's only for buses, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. There was nothing there that said buses only, and. And he's like, there's a sign that says it as clear as day. Do not go down this road. And she's like, there's no sign. And so they go, like, they actually drive to the street to look at the sign. And, you know, you're, you got to see this. It's hilarious. It's like, <laughs> it's basically a big square with a circle in it. And, you and know, nothing else. and nothing else. And I just like lost it just laughing at that but yet for your and husband you the sign is right there right it's right there <laughs> right you didn't miss the sign it just 
<laughs> it just said nothing about buses, right? Exactly. Well, not to me. Right. And and yet for your husband, it would have been as clear as day. And and how many times is that, um, is that the case when there's just something that we assume is just so obvious? That's really true. That, in fact, the other person is just like, it's not obvious to them because yeah. they see the world differently. So. Yeah. And that could be because they speak Dutch or <laughs> who knows? Yeah, he, was, he was pretty mad. He, he should have listened to you, Neil. I, I should have said, look, you know, this is pl- plenty of times this happens. We have different interpretations of that sign. But, <laughs> you know, it was his car. So <laughs> I don't think right. maybe if it was my car, I would have been feeling more like he did. Right. My interpretation of that sign was like, there's nothing in the circle, no line <laughs> through the circle. So it's like there's pretty no much the circle. full That's speed exactly ahead. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Why doesn't Why doesn't have a picture of a little car with an X over it? Right. It It might as well have had a little like stuffed bunny in it. Like no problems here. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I feel you feel me, Neil. I Good. feel you know you you get me on this story. I got you. Well, Erica Ariel Fox, thank you so much for joining us today on Relationship Alive. It's been a true pleasure to have you here. I know that we've all grown and our, our voyagers are happy. And, um, <laughs> and I think my captain is, is delighted. He's, he's actually saying like, I want a chair, like go, f- you need a exactly. ritual captain's chair that you sit in I, when you invoke me. And, well, if you, um, if, you get, if you got that from this session, I would be very happy. Awesome. <laughs> so thank you for, thank you for having me. And I hope you guys listening, you know, also get some kind of a nugget that you can start experimenting with. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.